Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. I love having my co-host join me. Uh, this is Richard Bliss, and I'm joined by... Jamie Stegmeyer of Stonemeyer Games. Jamie, I love it when you come back on the show. We, uh, we always have a lot of fun. We do a lot of rambling and talking, but as I think you've pointed out, it doesn't appear that many people uh, mind. We always get very positive feedback from these episodes. And hopefully, and we love getting that feedback. So anyone who has some, some thoughts to share with us, we're open to hearing them. We are. We are. So uh, speaking of thoughts, this episode is yours. You got some thoughts to talk about? Well, yeah. So I, I mentioned to you that I had this Kickstarter book that I've, that I've been working on, um, and I sent it to the publisher about a month ago, and I've started to get feedback from the publisher and one of the things they pointed out in the book is that almost every example I use is about Kickstarter, even though the book is about crowdfunding in general. And right. I kind of say at the beginning of the book that, you know, I'm a Kickstarter creator. I've only used Kickstarter. I mostly pay attention to Kickstarter, and that's why that's the focus of the book. But I wanted to mention Indiegogo in particular at the beginning just to kind of see what you, what you thought about um, Indiegogo as a whole and what they're doing, if they're doing some cool stuff that Kickstarter isn't doing, um, and maybe some some things that maybe I should mention in the book in regards to Indiegogo specifically. Well, there's the traditional things that Indiegogo has kind of set themselves apart, right? The uh, flexible funding is the biggest one. Right. Um, that's, that's a huge one. And for those who don't know, um, flexible funding is that you get the money even if you don't fund. Uh, Indiegogo takes out a bigger chunk of the percentage, but you get the money if you don't fund. So that, that's a very a big one. A lot less um, gatekeeping, Right, so uh, vetting. Uh, there's not really a, a quality. That's not really. That's not fair for me to say. I was going to say quality control, but there's just. It's a little bit more uh, open. Uh, they call it censoring. That they don't censor like Kickstarter does. Um, so those are some. Of, those are two of the big obvious ones. What are some other ones that people might not be aware of? One one more subtle one I noticed a few months ago is that, and I haven't used any Google, so I don't know how to set it up. But it looks like some projects have. A, a like a featured reward level that is shown at the top of the reward level sidebar. So instead of it just being ordered by uh, by reward amount, like the one dollar, five dollar, twenty dollars, you can you can say, okay, my twenty five dollar reward level, that's the one I really want people to look at, and you can move that up to the top of the sidebar. Well, that's a great idea. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I saw somebody use that very effectively. Seth Godin, when he was on the show. Um, He's a marketing guy. He talked about what he did is in his video, he actually just called out and even called it out in his pledge level saying, look, here's all my different pledge levels, but the one you really want is this one. <laughs> right. Right? This is the best value. Not making people sift through and trying to figure it out. I, I like that, being able to say, here's the one I think you should pay attention to. Because honestly, now that you bring that up, when you look at a, a crowdfunding project and it's just listed by monetary amounts only – if a hundred dollars is the sweet spot, and you've got a you know a seventy-five, a fifty, a twenty-five, a thirty-five, a twenty-five, and a ten, and a one, not that I recommend you do that, but if you do, by the time they, you might have lost what we call what leaving money on the table. You might have left a lot of money on the table because they never got down all the way. Uh, they got uh, that, that's a, that's an interesting one. Indiegogo. Yeah, I don't. I am biased against Indiegogo. I'll just flat out say it. 
Um, yeah. I, I picked Kickstarter, have really focused on Kickstarter. I personally like the gating uh, aspect. It's a little less gated now, um, but they still, you know, a little bit of the censoring. It implies a sense of, of somebody's paying attention, whether they are or not, but it implies that. I like the all or nothing, um, but I recognize that the partial funding works for some people. But it just, I've just seen so many, you know what, that's not fair because it's anecdotal. I have seen some um, scan, scams. When I, it appears to me that when somebody talks about a blatant scam of a crowdfunding, it tends to be a, on an, an Indiegogo-type platform, one where, it's, it, where you get the money as you go along and even if you don't fund. So if somebody puts up there something invalid, that money is funneling into their bank account even before the project's ended. And that just I, – I, I have problems with that, and I'm biased. And I know there's a lot of people out there who successfully used Indiegogo, so it's unfair for me to just lay that blanket. So I'm, I'm saying it – I recognize that it's an unfair bias on my part. I think, though – I think that's a great point. I mean with Kickstarter, you have – kind of 30 days – Usually to figure out if a creator is perhaps legit, legit, is legit. yeah, exactly. And on Indiegogo, you're right. You don't like, the first pledge is is their money in the bank. It's not only <laughs> their money, but it's in their bank. So they're right. spending it before the project's even over. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know that's it's. But okay. Hey, and speaking of kick, let's go back to Kickstarter real quick. Um, oh, and by the way, you asked me to to do a forward on that book, and I never did. Is it too late? Uh, it's, <laughs> we're live right now. Or yeah, we uh, are live right now. We are. I've left the, the forward open. I think they're going to look for someone right. really, really famous. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, and, really, really famous. And if they can't, I, I don't know how high they're going to go. I don't know how famous they can go, but maybe they'll go to like someone like, it would be cool to get someone like Zach Braff. Who's, who's been sure. on a very uh, public figure who's been on Kickstarter. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. So uh, that's good that I didn't send it because then you wouldn't have it tell me, oh, by the way, Richard, I can't use yours. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad I, I'm glad I, uh, I blew you off. Okay, perfect. So let's move on. Let's talk about Kickstarter a little bit about some of the changes Kickstarter has made. Cause, uh, we've talked in the past about they, they have started to change a lot of things, the approval process, uh, mm-hmm. some of the structuring. Why don't we address that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to, I'm glad you mentioned that because Kickstarter, continues to innovate as well. I think they do it a little slower, but maybe more calculated is the word for the way they do it. Um, and one of the really cool things they did recently is that they enabled project creators to set different shipping uh, prices, really. It's just a shipping fee, different shipping fees for every country and per, on a per-reward basis. So if I have a reward that weighs one pound that I want to ship to a bunch of different countries – I can set an accurate shipping amount for each of those. Each and then country. If I have a, you, for each, each country. country. For every country. And then if I have a different reward that weighs 10 pounds, then I can set a different shipping fee for each country on that one too. Oh, that, and so that – because that has been, for, particularly in the board game space, uh, I just um, – we had here someone at my game group, um, Ed, who uh, said that his Kickstarter um, – what's it called? Launch – Takeoff, no. Liftoff. Liftoff, lift that's what it was called. That it really, the shipping got him. The weight, he got the weight wrong on his box, on his, right. in his game. So the, the shipping has really come to bite him. Um, but that's probably because he still had to kind of do a uniformed guess one to match many. 
type approach. Right. And Kickstarter has really responded to that. You know, this brings up the fact that the board game space, this, we might not have made the impact there, but it has continued to push the boundaries of what is needed on Kickstarter, and it continues to meet the board game industry's needs. So that's kind of that's a cool one. Yeah, I think that's the, the only time I've ever done a true call to action on my blog was related to shipping. And it was specifically that we specifically, I specifically asked my readers to send a note to Kickstarter recommending the shipping thing. I don't know how big of an impact it made. It might have been pretty small, but it was something. I what, what do you mean, was, what kind of, a, how big of an impact? Did they change? They did change. So I say that was a big impact. <laughs> I don't know if the cause and effect is connected, but well, you got to be in marketing. You got to get a, a <laughs> career in marketing, like I do. That <laughs> dang, do think dang right, cool. it was connected. All right. <laughs> Just because I think in the in the past, I, I like they had a reward. The shipping fee was U.S. Uh, I think they may have Canada, and then they had international. Yes, as if all other countries were the same. And I'm, I'm glad they finally differentiated that. Yes, and so yes. There's an old joke. Uh, do you know what you say? To, what do you call somebody who speaks two languages? Do you know what that term is? Bilingual? Right, right. And if they speak three languages? Trilingual. And if they speak one language? Amer- American. American. Yeah. American. <laughs> so that's great. That's not nearly as good a joke anymore because so much of American now speaks multiple languages. But yes, uh, right. all in all, that you know, it's us and everybody else. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so, Richard, the big controversy I think that's arisen from the – I mean, I, so it's interesting how these solutions breed new like – people get them and they want more right away. And the thing right. that they seem to want more is that uh, I've heard a lot of creators say that they wish the shipping fees weren't part of the, uh, the funding. funding total. Because yeah. that's a false accomplishment. You're like, great, everybody backed international, Right. And right. so, you know, 40% of your funds are in shipping, which means you really didn't fund your project. Right. Yeah, that's a really valid point. Um, so well, Actually, that's not my opinion. I, I, I wanted to put it out there. I have a different stance. So oh. it sounds like you are in support of them separating the two? Yeah, honestly, I don't know it like you do. I just know that, that I could recognize how if somebody's not paying attention – and they want $10,000, or nowadays $10,000 is nothing. If they want the, the amount of money, $50,000 for their game, and suddenly they didn't pay attention to the fact that international backers chewed up a huge chunk of that, right. is they didn't, get the, they, they didn't get their money. Oh, and then by the way, those shipping fees are, are impacted by the 10% that comes out. 10% is a rule of thumb. I know it's like 8%, whatever. Uh, you can right. see how I do math. Um, but... <laughs> Right is suddenly you can be, find yourself in a hole in a hurry by not paying attention to the fact that shipping fees are going to pull out that money. You're going to have a penalty on those shipping fees. So it's like you're getting double penalized and you wanted $50,000. You got people are like, I gave you the money. Yeah, but um, I, ha- I have to come back and tell you that sorry, but you know, it was, I, I screwed up. Right. So yes, that's where I'm at. So uh, obviously, mine's from a pure anecdotal. But you, why are you different? What's your difference of opinion? Well, I, I guess there are a few different parts of it. Part, part of it is that I, I think when you launch a, a project on Kickstarter, it's part of your responsibility to at least estimate where you're going to have to ship everything and find accurate costs for the to ship. Um, and I know that breakdown is pretty difficult. When you haven't launched a project, you don't know how many people in Japan are going to back your project right. versus the U.S. But I think you can um, 
have a pretty rough idea. Like you said it, that, sure, you might have an influx of international backers, but I think that influx, we're talking about a variation of like 1% to 2% from, from the norm. So the key is just kind of determining that norm um, where, and basing where, your projections off of that. Where do you get backers? You've done this before. Where do the backers come from that are the most expensive and you get more than you really thought you were going to get internationally? You've done a couple of these. What's the one that jumps up and bites you? Uh, Brazil. Brazil's the big one. Really? Yeah, because I've kind of figured out Asia and Australia at this point. But Brazil, there are backers. I mean, there's a big population in Brazil, and they like games, but it's really tough to ship there. Really? I mean, they're yeah. so close. I mean, couldn't you just, like, drive down and deliver them? I mean, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> the problem is their import tax. They have a 60% import tax. Ouch! And... I'm not sure exactly where it triggers. It's, I've heard some that's over $35, and there's another one when it's, once it's over 500 But they just – it's tough for them to get packages down there. It's tough to ship down, ship down and there. Even, and even – and doubling up type thing, I meaning getting everybody to kind of get together, band together, and do one shipment. That does, does that make it worse or better or has no impact? In some ways, it makes it worse. Like I recently – just two days ago, I, I – shipped something to someone who they they bought like 20 copies of one of our games but they really needed it separated into two shipments because if they sent if I sent one bulk shipment they were going to get a huge import fee and so I ended up spending more on my end to do two separate shipments to help them avoid avoid that import fee Okay, in our last episode I talked about the supply demand and how um the logistics get in the way and and if there's if it's strong enough they'll find a way yeah. uh, you have talked about in the past using a china chinese publisher not to publish english games but to publish games for china right is there a need here because of that huge i mean the government's trying to generate business internally it, is there an uh is there the possibility that somebody'll step up and say look we're going to manufacture these games in brazil because the, the cost is so high to bring them in. I have, I've talked to two guys in Brazil who have, we've talked about that idea. I, I think it's on the table and I think they can do that with very simple games at this point, but not games that have a lot of custom components, whether they're wood, resin, plastic, they can't do those yet. So I think it's coming. And I think the card games and the, the basic games are, are there. I mean, that, I think that is exactly the solution for Brazil. They even have their own crowdfunding site down there that they use. I can't remember the name offhand. There's uh, me.com. I think it's called – no, that would be Apple. There's uh, – what is it? It's something. Uh, the Latin America one, I think – but it's Spanish, and Brazil has probably has their very own but Portuguese. Right, right. Very interesting. Well, we're seeing, we're seeing this transformation, right? This crowdfunding idea is spreading. You know, It's interesting because it, it hasn't done well with um, – on the equity side, crowdfunding folks, um, which I have been involved with over the last couple of years. And I really have kind of drifted away from uh, a couple of years ago when Kickstarter first started going, Indiegogo first started going, the crowd, the equity-based crowdfunding. These are the folks who were going to give away a piece of your company. They got all excited because they thought crowdfunding was going to be uh, this billions of dollars was going to flow into crowdfunding. Right. But they passed some laws that said you can only – raise a million dollars a year uh, of a crowdfunding, you know, max 10,000, which is kind of the same with a Kickstarter project. But uh, what's happened is that the laws haven't kept up. And so it hasn't happened. And the energy and the enthusiasm for that has started to drift away, particularly when we're seeing the rewards-based crowdfunding just plugging away, doing so well. 
do you think that's a a, a problem in the long run? Do you, no, are you I, out on something big here. I mean, honestly, I you know I tend to be a shy, quiet guy when it comes to if I got an opinion about something, so I usually don't speak up. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you laughing at my joke, but I was in you know Silicon Valley crowdfunding conference. Um, I was a moderator, but when it wasn't my time, I'm sitting out in the audience, and I at one point raised my hand, stood up, and said, "Look, guys, this is all these investment bankers, these VC guys, venture capital." And I just kind of yelled across the room. Um, uh-huh. The moderator was Doug uh, Elinoff, a very prominent attorney out of New York who handles crowdfunding. He was the moderator, and he started yelling at me. Now, I know Doug very well, but I started yelling at him saying, look, guys, you're going to become irrelevant because the folks over on the reward side, they're going to they're raise millions of dollars and not give away a piece of their company, not even one piece why who's this crowd of people that you think is just dying to suddenly invest a thousand dollars into some company they're going to get an eight percent return and have no possible way that they can easily see of liquidating that investment who are these people that you're talking about they're going to pour all this money in because i'm over here on the rewards-based crowdfund i was the only person there representing the rewards-based crowdfunding and i said and there's a lot of energy going on at the time you know kickstarter was on track to do a billion hit their first billion um, and they just, they kind of poo pooed it because to them, a billion dollars was no- nothing. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's all about how fast that guy's headed and in what direction and not necessarily where they're already on that, that path. And so it was very fascinating to see the, the transformation. I do wonder if it will ever, I don't think Kickstarter will ever offer equity base crowdfunding, no. but, but imagine if they did and you had, you had some very compelling reward levels where you got something tangible and then that. $10,000 level was equity based. Do you want to give up? Would you do that? Well, no, I, I wouldn't. But someone just starting out might, and there might be backers who, who buy into that. There might. You like might be a project really taking off. It might be compelling. As I see more and more, pro- we're about out of time, but as people yeah. come up and ask me for su- advice or support, oftentimes they're coming with a $100,000 project. For a $100,000 project, yeah, because particularly if it's not a board game, if something intangible like a film, which is really hard to raise the money because the, the rewards are difficult to dole out at $100 a piece, you right. might say, look, uh, you know, share the profits, right? Share the profits, that type of uh, payback. We're going to make this film. You're going to put this money in, and you'll get this percentage of share of the profits, you know, 10% or 5% or 1%, whatever it might be. That, that might be right. compelling. Um, I don't think it's that – I still think the rewards based is just to the the tie between the the reward and the backer, that yeah. emotional connection. Um, when you start getting to investment and equity, and I'm in this for the money, you start to lose the magic. I hate to use that word, but I think it's true. The magic that's so much part of Indiegogo, Kickstarter, Rocket Hub, and some of these other ones. Yeah, I agree. Hey, it uh, it is time for us to end. Jamie, always thank you again for joining me on the show. This has been great. I had a great time, Richard. Thank you. Hey, we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Our intro and exit music is Orientation by Bureaucratic. You can listen to more of their music at soundcloud.com slash bureaucratic. Today's show is produced by Come Alive Creative. We want to thank their work, and you can find them at comealivecreative.com. Thanks for listening. Take care. Take care.